Hello, everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your Tuesday host, Charles Curtis, and back with me for another week because we had to do this after the NFL draft, obviously, last week, is Steven Ruiz, our NFL guru, who has been our NFL draft guru. What's going on, Steven? I'm just relieved that it's over. Yeah! You don't have to deal with anonymous reports, anonymous scouts, anonymous everything. It's just over. Uh, and we start looking forward to the season. Yeah, sources tell me that the last four months has just been uh, an, uh, one big eye roll. It's just, yeah, <laughs> mock drafts and 50 billion mock drafts. It's exhausting. I agree with you. Uh, it's, it's just such a long wait between the Super Bowl and the draft that it just becomes silly at a certain point. Um, I'm, t- and- I'm tired of hearing anonymous scouts tell me who can and cannot marry their daughter. <laughs> I feel like that's like the number one criteria for, for uh, quarterbacks these days. I, I, want him, I want him to marry my daughter. Oh, God. I guess no one will want Josh Rosen to marry their daughters, huh? <laughs> Not when he has inflatable uh, hot tubs in his room as a freshman. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, let's. I mean, we, we talked about quarterbacks last week on the, on the podcast about all the, the quarterbacks going. We, we, we'll start out with, with Baker Mayfield. We can work our way over to Josh Rosen. Um, how surprised were you to see Baker at the top for the, for the Browns? I mean, it, like, momentum started to shift like a day or two before the draft, but if you had told me that a week before the draft, I would have said you're crazy just because I didn't think the Browns are willing to take a risk like that. We've seen them take risks on quarterbacks in the past, in the first round, like Johnny Manziel, obviously, and even Brandon Whedon was a risk. He was like, what, 27, 26 when they drafted him? Yeah. So I thought they would go with a more you know pro-ready, sure thing, polished guy. Like Josh Rosen wasn't really in the picture, but Sam Darnold was the next best thing when it comes to pro-readiness. So that's where I thought the pick was for the last couple months. I'm surprised that they deviated at the last minute. Yeah, I am too. I was uh, sort of watching and reading your stuff and, and everybody else kind of piling on Baker, ultimately saying, like, look, he's got a lot of great things, but the fact of the matter is he's not your prototypical six foot five, six foot four guy, cannon arm type of dude. Um, and that, I think, is, is kind of weird for me for the Browns to do that. So I don't know. I, I it's one of these things where when the draft happens, you can only speculate as to where things are going to go. But at least we now know that that Baker's with the team, and I just think like Baker is one of the flawed quarterbacks in this class, like the rest of them are. So maybe they saw something in them that other teams didn't, or that there were other teams. You know, there's reports that from from Baker Mayfield's agent that the the Patriots were maybe drafting, uh, moving up to draft him. And I think that's kind of a sign, like maybe there were other teams that were really believers in Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it turns out after the draft, we're finding out that all these teams seem to have him number one on their boards, which kind of surprised me because I think his flaws – I don't. I don't think people have pointed out his on-field flaws a lot. They. It's mostly been you know he's this or that off the field. He has these you know character concerns, even like his behavior on the sidelines. But I think he has the most concerning flaws for me of the top three quarterbacks. And I'm not putting Allen in my top three, even though he was drafted third. I'm putting. I'm talking about Rosen, Darnold, and Mayfield. I think he has the most concerning on-field problems, and that's uh. Just his his footwork just bothers me. I, I don't think he's as polished as the other two when you know maneuvering in the pocket and trying to avoid the rush. No, that's that's not a good sign for the Browns. Uh, and I am kind of curious if we look back on this draft and say, what was everybody thinking with Sam Darnold? Because he ended up with the Jets, and he might be the best quarterback, like you said, the most polished pro prospect of this group. 
and the, he landed in the Jets' lap, and it turns out that Jets trade up two spots, or was it three spots? That's kind of the biggest story to me of the draft is, like, that trade might end up actually working out, even though we know that draft trades uh, the way that the Jets did it, trading all those second-round picks. It just doesn't always work out for them. Yeah, I kind of agree, just because I think Darnold could end up as the best quarterback, but I think it was still a reach for them to trade away those picks when they could have landed Josh Rosen. Well, we know this now. We didn't know it at the time, but they could have landed right. Josh Rosen and kept all those second round picks. Yeah, well, a trade like that, you're you're guaranteeing yourself the guy you want, right? It's it's sort of the you're paying a premium price in order to secure just in case a team like the Broncos wants them or the 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 Browns would have done the the Saquon first and then moved down down up to four to to, to take a quarterback. Um, what did you think of, of taking Denzel Ward fourth overall, by the way? Because that was one that watching the broadcast, I was like, oh, interesting. I would, you know, Everyone was talking about Bradley Chubb, who went the very next pick. I understand that the Browns were drafting for need with that pick because they need a corner and they don't necessarily need a, a pass rusher just because they have Miles Garrett on the roster. They have Manuel Agba, who's kind of underrated. So they didn't really need Bradley Chubb, but he was the best player available. And I think the Browns are too early in this rebuild to be picking for need. I, I see a, a team that's in contention picking for need makes sense. Like the Steelers, yeah, it makes sense for them to pick for need because they're maybe a piece away from the Super Bowl. But it seemed like the Browns, they're so far away from that, from the point where they're going to be contending for the even the playoffs that I don't think you're drafting for need at this point. So I think that was a bit of a reach. And I don't, I don't know how smart it is to draft undersized corners ward's a great corner he's he has everything you want in a corner except for size and i I, if you're drafting him to be a lockdown corner on the outside against you know your prototypical number one receivers like aj green and deandre hopkins i don't think that's going to happen he's just too small to box or to compete with those guys downfield if that's the case, as a, as Browns fans are, like, should they be like, I don't know, distraught now? It seems like there's a lot of hope in Cleveland. No, I wouldn't be distraught just because they got. I think they got two good players. I would just be slightly disappointed because I think the draft class could have been better. And, and that's just in my opinion. I think the Browns think they got the best class. I think a lot of the fans wanted Mayfield, so they think they got the best class. I'm, it, this is just my personal opinion. From my perspective, I think they did not max out their picks hmm yeah you had them 13th in your rankings uh, uh, all of you should go and click by the way on uh steven's ranking so instead of doing draft grades you rank them by class uh, and you had them 13th which is pretty good it's in the top half of the league i can say that you know uh so so but i wasn't i wasn't of- necessarily grading their performance like the efficiency with their picks it was just like how much talent they brought in and with how sure. many top picks they had they were always going to be high on the list yeah, and, and Nick Chubb, I, I was uh, texting with a bunch of, of buddies on Friday before the, the second and third round saying I wanted the Giants not to take, and we can get into this in a second, to take Saquon Barkley because then you had Chubb on the board and you had um, the kid from, from LSU, the running back there, and, and it, like that was proof you don't take Saquon first. So the Cleveland Browns, I thought, ended up okay. Uh, so that, that reflects that, that 13th rank. And if Baker Mayfield turns out to be the top quarterback in this draft, turns out to be kind of like Russell Wilson as an undersized but athletic quarterback, then man, maybe it works out for them. Yeah, I'm speaking in absolutes, but I, I, I don't – no one knows how these quarterbacks are going to turn out. It's just my opinion. Right. No, right. It, it is it is one one man's opinion. 
Saquon going second. I think it's... I'm not disappointed as a Giants fan. I'm sort of curious to see if my theory and a lot of other people's theory of you take value in the second and third rounds with running backs works out because we've just seen it all in the NFL. But now that he's a Giant, I'm like... I'm really excited to see if they can build an offense around giving him the ball, let's say, 15 to 20 times a game and throwing him the ball five times a game. Like, that seems really, really exciting. Yeah, that was always going to be the case with uh, Barkley. Before the draft, you don't want you don't want to waste the second overall pick on a running back, but after it, you're not going to be thinking about that in two years. You're going to be like, wow, Saquon Barkley is amazing. I'm happy he's on my <laughs> team. And I think the rest of the Giants draft made that pick look a lot better than it did before we knew who they were taking in the second and third and fourth round. I think getting Laletta makes that Kyle Laletta in the fourth round. I think that makes the Barkley pick, you know, passing on a quarterback to get Barkley. I think that makes it look a lot better. Yeah, and and uh, Will Hernandez, and uh, that was one. I, I, I'm not a draft guru by any stretch. I tend to read a lot about it before the draft but on that day in part of that text message chain I was like give me Will Hernandez please because I saw what was written about him sort of being one of the top day two available players and I looked at kind of what people were talking about him being nasty as a guard who could and and then you watch the tape highlights and it was I was downright giddy so you know if you pair a guy like Saquon Barkley with Will Hernandez suddenly the the problem that I had with Barkley to begin with which was what are they going to do what is he going to do when the Giants line is terrible and suddenly you have Hernandez who probably will start day one and then you got uh, the, the offensive tackle that they signed, uh, Nate Solder, from the Patriots. And suddenly you're like, well, maybe the Giants know what they're doing. Yeah, the offense looks a lot better than it did before the offseason started. Yeah, yeah. Who's, your, who's on your list of the best team, that the team that had the best draft uh, from last week? I think it's the Broncos. And that comes as a surprise because I've kind of been down on John Elway over the last few years. <laughs> and I'm they didn't end up with a quarterback, and I'm not – I don't really have a problem with that just because they went for the best player available and they landed a lot of good players. Bradley Chubb is might be the best player in the draft. Corlin Sutton could develop into a number one receiver and that will help them, you know, get rid of either Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders. One of those guys has to go in the next few years and I think that makes the decision easier. And then even Royce Freeman, I think he's gonna he could walk into that starting lineup and for the fantasy people out there, I think he's worth maybe a six round pick. And up draft just because he's going to get a lot of carries because they don't really have much behind them. Devontae Booker's still there, but he hasn't really shown anything over his first two years. And then yeah. just they just kept getting value, just even at the even in the later rounds. Josie Jewell's a good linebacker. Hamilton from Penn State, I think he could end up. I think he could end up supplanting Emmanuel Sanders in the starting lineup in maybe two years if Sanders is still there, and him and Suton are going to. I mean, that's basically Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders all over again, just younger and cheaper. And then even Troy Fumagalli from Wisconsin, the only reason he he slipped, I think he would have been maybe a second-round pick, maybe a third-round pick. If I, th- I believe he's missing one of his fingers, and I think that's why he dropped to 156. Huh. There you go. It sounds to me like, like you love the Broncos, and yet they have three quarterbacks on that roster that are risk. That said, they, they also have a, a second round pick, a guy who who is their their second round pick. What two years ago? Uh, uh, and and that to me is is signal that Elway is going to put all of his faith in Pax, his faith in Paxton Lynch, right? 
I I don't think that's necessarily true. I think he thinks Keenum can give them a couple years and then he'll get the quarterback Ugh. in a year or two, which I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with. Once they realized they weren't going to get, I guess they were going for either Mayfield or Darnold, because if Rosen was there, you have to take him. If he was if he was on their board as one of the guys they wanted, I think they would have taken him instead of Chubb. But apparently he wasn't, so I, I'm fine with them sticking to their board and not reaching for a quarterback just for the sake of taking a quarterback. Taking Josh Allen would have been—I don't think that would have solved anything. That would have been Paxton Lynch 2.0, or or maybe Case Keenum 2.0, you know, or whatever it might be. Right? I, I, and I, for, you know, it's funny—I forgot that Case Keenum signed with them. So maybe this Case Keenum repeats what he did last year, and, and uh, I don't up, see that happening. But yeah, right, I, I think I, that's right, the hope. Uh, yeah, I think that well, that's the ideal, right? So the Broncos say to themselves, "Okay, we've got Keenum here. We don't need a quarterback of the future. Maybe he ends up doing what he did in Minnesota." Uh, and that's uh, like I like I'm with you. That seems like it's a little bit of a reach with, it. but they still have Paxton there. Maybe they think he still develops, but yeah, I'm not so sure if if the Broncos end up c- competing uh, with 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 Keenum under under center. We'll see. Uh, wh- who had the worst draft? I have the Saints having the worst draft just because that trade-up for Davenport I think was a big mistake, and I think they're going to regret that by October. when Because yeah. he's a raw prospect. He might not – he's going to see the field because the, the Saints need pass rush help. But I don't think he's going to be an effective player in year one, and this team was built to win this year. Drew Brees isn't going to be around for much longer. So just that that pick, and they gave up picks to get him – it kind of, you know, made the rest of their draft weaker, and the, and I I didn't necessarily agree with that pick, so I think they had the worst draft, and I don't think the Patriots are that far behind. I've seen people give them a high grade, but I don't necessarily like what they did. I don't think they filled any of their needs with their top picks. Yeah, I, I, the Saints. This is the funny thing. Watching that draft live, I was going, "Oh, the Saints are moving up. That means it's Lamar Jackson time, like for sure." And this is maybe a, a tangent for us to go into, right? Like some of these teams that have these veteran legendary quarterbacks and they're trying not to like – it feels to me like sometimes they're not trying to ruffle feathers by drafting their heir apparent. Uh, it's different with the the the, the Ravens uh, ending up with Lamar Jackson because I think Flacco's been – Sort of on the on the fringes of of, of being good in, in later years, but like we're talking about Drew Brees here, somebody's got to replace Drew Brees soon. So moving up to take Marcus Davenport, I like as a win now move, but they would have been better to get a, a quarterback, right? Like somebody for the future. And it seems to me like sometimes they make these moves because they're like, oh, we can't we can't you know mess with with Tom Brady, can't mess with uh, with Drew Brees. Like, do you feel like that's a factor, or am I just making that up? I think with New England, it has to be after. Or based on the the ESPN report, the famed ESPN report, I think it was from January, where basically Brady kind of strong-armed the front. Uh, I guess he went to Robert Kraft and said, trade Garoppolo. And then it happened. I think that, that lends credence to your theory. I think teams are worried about offending their their quarterbacks like Drew Brees you don't want to offend him you want to you want to you know the Saints gave him like the Kobe deal they overpaid him just to keep Mm -hmm. him happy and then Brady obviously he takes a pay cut so you you want to reward him for everything he's done for the franchise yeah I think I think you have a point there yeah I I don't know if it's true I'm no I'm nowhere near 
a locker room or have the kind of sources that others do. But it just it feels that way to me when you got Eli Manning and what they, the Giants put Eli Manning through last year. And I'm not saying that's why they they didn't take a Josh Rosen or a Sam Darnold with the number two overall pick, but. It just it feels that way to me sometimes. Let's go to the Patriots for a second because they took uh, Michelle, the the running back, thirty uh, first overall. And you saw my reaction Monday morning was I was like, oh, I'm ready to to like say like how horrible is the fantasy situation in New England? But it seems to me like Michelle is going to be the basically the Dion uh, Lewis replacement there, and he's he's a good one. I just again like first round running backs. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I feel like taking a first round running back is a luxury, and I don't. I don't. I don't think the Patriots could make a luxury pick. Just how many holes they had on the defense and how bad that defense was at times last year. I I thought they needed to address the defense if they weren't going to take a backup quarterback for Brady, and they didn't. They ended up taking a running back, and they have so many running backs already on the roster. Michelle is talented. They're going to get a lot out of him. I just don't think they need it needed that pick yeah well you look at like the running back situation and and you say that they always get productivity no matter what it is out of their running back core whether it's you know they split it between like the pass catcher and james white or the the sort of pass catcher slash between the tackles guy Deion lewis and then you have uh then you have guys like rex burkhead who they split out wide like they they have these these little niche roles for them and now you're drafting a guy who might be more of a three down back for them and that just doesn't seem like the very Patriots thing to do the other by the way point about the Patriots that I want to make is this draft was also about the fact they traded uh Jimmy G for a second round pick and so it's like they and and there was a tweet that went around I think it was yesterday that was showing like the results of of that trade and it the Patriots lost out so hard on that especially now that we know what what uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is is made of yeah it seems like that tweet was sent out to like kind of justify the trade and i thought it just made the trade look even worse totally because even the player they got with the 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 pick that they got from the 49ers wasn't even high on most people's boards duke dawson that was considered a reach by most people especially with a couple of other intriguing defenders on the board still i thought that was a bad pick so i think the trade looks even worse now yeah, I totally agree. And and every time Garoppolo wins a game, it's just going to be the same thing. It's going to you know, Patriots fans are going to be reminded of this. Maybe when Tom Brady is is done, and they say, well, what could have been? Of course, Patriots would have had to jump through hoops to sign him. That's another story. Uh, but I, 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 before we we move on, I just want to read off the the Patriots running back uh, group right now is Burkhead, Jeremy Hill, who they signed from from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Mike Gillisley, who was fumble-prone last year. Um, uh, Michelle. And Brandon Bolden's still on the roster, which I love. Um, and James White. Like, And also, you wrote a whole big thing about Cordero Patterson, Patterson coming from the Oakland Raiders, not as a wide receiver, but maybe as a running back. That's so many names at, at, in the backfield. And it's absurd to me that they, they drafted another one in the first round who might be talented, but still, like, what are they going to do with everybody? There's going to be a lot of cuts, obviously, this summer. I feel like... I feel like Michelle is kind of like a combination of all those guys you just listed. So <laughs> he's kind of redundant when you think about it. I don't think he's offering anything more. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, give me give me like another team or two teams that you were like intrigued by their drafts. The Raiders had the most intriguing draft to me just because they got off to such a bad start. Them drafting Colton Miller, they drafted him way too high, and I don't think he's going to play 
for maybe one or two years, and then you're relying on Tom Cable, who d- who didn't do the best job in Seattle to to develop him. And then even their second and third picks are reaches, but then they got tremendous value in the in the middle rounds. Maurice Hurst, yeah, uh, I think he was a he might have been a fifth round pick, fourth round pick, but he was he was seen as maybe the best defensive tackle in the draft, and they got him they got him that late because of the heart issue, which may not be an issue when he gets to the pros. And then they got Arden Key, who was seen as a top five pick as as recently as last year. He had some weight issues. He had some off the field problems at LSU, which kind of derailed his his 2017 season. But he has top 10 talent. So if you look at those guys as your first and second round pick, and then consider Colton Miller the third pick, then I think that's a great draft. And I've seen a lot of people give them a bad grade for the draft, but I disagree. I think they had one of the better drafts in the league just because they saved it in the middle rounds. Seems to me that's like a volatile draft, then, right? If if you've got like hypothetically like Mel Kuyper giving him a bad grade and you give him a good grade it seems like there's a lot of possibilities so maybe you know maybe maybe Chucky knows what he's doing there you know Gruden coming back I don't know how much input he had but I imagine quite a bit yeah I'd give the I'd give the credit to uh, Reggie McKenzie but yeah I think Gruden probably had had something with it yeah yeah any other drafts that you're you were intrigued or weirded out by or confused by any that you wanted to uh, to cover the Ravens had a, a an up and down draft too. I, th- I would put them in the same situation as the Raiders, where you're like, "Well, I don't understand what they're doing." But that was mostly with the first the first round pick. I I absolutely hated the first round pick. They took a a tight end who wasn't overly productive at South Carolina. Hayden Hurst. He's already 25 years old. He's older than Max Williams, who the team drafted in 2015. I want to say. <laughs> He's already older than him, so I, I don't understand that pick. But they kind of made up for it with a Lamar Jackson pick. I love that pick. They didn't have to give up too much to get him, and he's in a perfect situation. I'm not going to say he can learn from Joe Flacco because Joe <laughs> Flacco is not the kind of guy you want to learn from because he has his own footwork issues. He, he's kind of known as someone who doesn't really try off the field. He doesn't, you know, he's not a film room junkie kind of guy. So I don't know how much Lamar is going to learn from him. And then the other quarterback is RG three. And we are, we know about his history, but I think, but Jackson's in a good spot where he can learn from the coaches and he doesn't have to play right away and then fix all those issues that he has. And then I like the Orlando Brown pick. He kind of dropped after a bad combine, but I don't, I mean, the combines, the combines, we overrate the combine. And then the Mark Andrews pick, I kind of, I feel like made up for the Hayden Hurst pick just because he's another good tight end. So I know one of them is probably going to work out. And then later in the draft, I like, I like, I like taking Jordan Lastly with the 162nd pick. He was kind of, he has drop issues, but he's, he's a great athlete. And some of some people saw him as a first round talent based on his physical attributes. And they got him 162nd. I like that pick a lot. Nice. Uh, those are those are a good, all good summaries there. Uh, you all should go and read Stephen's stuff about the draft, which uh, is fading now that we're starting to get into minicamp. Was there um, a viral story or something funny, weird that happened during the draft that you you liked writing about or watching or you know thinking about? I just liked, I just loved everything about what Josh Rosen said after the draft. Yeah, I think that was just. I mean, I think it's going to turn some, some, maybe some of his opponents off. It's going to turn some of the analysts off. But I loved it. I thought that's exactly the kind of thing I'd want to hear from him after he dropped. 
and I think he's right. I think there were nine mistakes taken ahead of him. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft, and he might be the best player in the draft if you consider positional value. So everything he said was great. In I'm my with view. you. Yeah, I, 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 we talked about this on the outset here. You know, I don't necessarily want my quarterback to to be the guy I, I want to marry my daughter, but I want him to be a competitive, tough, you, you know, confident guy and with a chip on his shoulder. And it's that is exactly what I want, especially out of a guy who might be the best uh, all around quarterback of that group with maybe some durability issues. Like if that's the biggest uh, knock on him. That's not the worst thing because you come to the NFL, like maybe they rear their heads, but that's a risk, a less of a risk, I think, than a guy with, say, accuracy issues or footwork issues or so on and so forth. Also, we don't have daughters, so maybe that's why we're higher on those. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. That's true. You make a very, very good point there. Um, my favorite story uh, from the draft, my favorite uh, viral story was uh, the parrot that uh, that that was uh, helping deliver the Buccaneers pick. And I, I say this selfishly because I wrote about it twice. I actually called up the woman who uh, owned the sanctuary that provided Jaja the macaw. And I was sort of shocked by the internet reacting to the parrot not delivering the pick verbally, which I think was just the most absurd internet <laughs> thing. And also I think like people were kind of kidding, but kind of not. But like this poor woman who I spoke to, uh, Patricia Norton, um, spoke to me about how, you know, she comes home after kind of a success on her end where the parrot said go bucks and delivered, which you didn't see on camera, the pick uh, envelope to the, the her handler. And to see all this internet hatred, which is always going to come with with anything that happens on the internet but i was just like how do people expect this parrot to in five seconds or 30 seconds or however long it is how are they supposed to know that a bird is going to you know not know that the, the bird's not going to say it out loud like the bird's not going to say i don't know who the pick was i forgot who it was but there a parrot can't learn that quickly but the parrot said apparently go bucks we just couldn't hear it on the broadcast i, so. didn't, I didn't see the uh i didn't see the pick made so yeah uh, i wasn't in on the you know the 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 backlash but that all when i heard the story the only thing i i expected my only expectation was that the bird would you know fly in the envelope that's what i, I see right and so Patric- i was expecting it to read off the pick but that's <laughs> is amazing i i need to look this up now i i didn't watch the clip yeah why are people complaining? i feel like it's like the uh the michael phelps thing when he raced the shark although i, I think <laughs> I think the complaints were a little more legitimate. I think they could have figured out a way to have an actual shark racing. I agree. That's a different story, though, I feel like, because they were promising, like... This parrot is getting unnecessary heat. The parrot... uh, Bring the parrot back next year. Oh, yeah. Well, apparently the parrot is going to be... And the other parrots from the same sanctuary are going to be at a Bucks event on Thursday. So the Bucks liked it. Uh, And my take on on the, the Phelps thing is, like, if you say Michael Phelps is going to race a shark... You expect him to race a shark and not race against the shark's time or whatever it was, right? Uh, or a virtual shark or what, you know, however they, they pulled it off. This was different because the phrasing was like it'll help deliver it. And by the way, Stephen, that was a very interesting point you made about flying it in because there were other people who expected the bird to do some kind of flying. But uh, Patricia told me that it puts the, the parrot in harm's way to have it flying around a stadium where it could, you know, get stuck at, you know, at the top of, a, you know, a, a part of the stadium where – uh, it couldn't. It couldn't get down, or whatever it might be. So that's, I think that's she not the one wings. of my. I'm not really concerned about the parrot's well-being. That's probably <laughs> a bad thing to say, but uh, <laughs> uh, 
I don't. I, I, no, no parents were harmed in the making of this draft. There yeah. you go. Exactly, yeah. and that, that, that's where we're leaving. Uh, Stephen, thank you for joining us. Uh, what's your? Are you the Stephen Ruiz? That your your Twitter Twitter? Yes, I'm, yes, I'm the Stephen Ruiz. The <laughs> Stephen Ruiz, like the Ohio State University, uh, where Stephen did not go. Uh, you can read all things Stephen there. You can join us every week on the podcast. And uh, thanks for joining us, Stephen. And thanks for uh, everybody for listening.